This, you'll think this is funny. I didn't think it was funny. When, uh, this was 30 years ago. I was in graduate school, and I'd come home back to Tennessee for a week during, uh, in between school. And I went to go see one of my friends that I'd grown up with, and his family owned a big farm. And I got out to the farm, and I was visiting with him. And one of his older brothers came up that I had not seen in three or four years. And this was 1986, but I still remember it very clearly. He looked at me in his very undiplomatic, very unsmooth way, and he said, Chris, you're growing in the wrong ways. Do, y'all, do you need me to translate that, or do you, you know what he meant by that? I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was not really a compliment. And uh, I, I bit my tongue. I didn't say anything, you know, about his IQ or his looks or, you know, his wife or any of those things that were running through my mind because I'm a Christian that I would never say, of course. But, you know, you can grow uh, physically. You can grow in the wrong ways. Amen? I mean, your belly gets bigger and your hair falls out. That's not the growth that men dream of when they're 10, Right? It's, it's, just, it's just not. And spiritually, a lot of people truly do get saved, but they never grow much. Or they grow in weird ways. They become real uh, intellectual when it comes to God, but they're not very spiritual. Or they're all touchy-feeling when there's no uh, foundation or there's no depth to what they believe. And this evening, we're going to look at something that I, I think that you're going to be aware of, but it's easy to miss, especially in our culture today, if we want to develop spiritually properly. And, and here's the thrust of the sermon tonight. We have to be active in a good biblical church. We're in a sermon series. We've got one more week next week, probably just one more. And we're talking about how that we can know God deeper and better and grow in our relationship with God. And by, that, by the way, that is the goal for all of us who are Christians tonight, whether you're watching via the internet or you're here in this place, is for us to know and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and church is a huge part of it. Now, it's easy sometimes people say, well, pastors push this. Well, they do because if they're doing their job, they're pushing the Word of God. Church is not a pastor's idea. It's not a man-made idea. It's not an optional idea of Christianity. We're in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. We looked at these passages two or three weeks ago, excuse me, two two or three months ago. But this is a completely different sermon, I promise you. And we're going to look at it from kind of a different perspective this evening. But just a quick uh, background. The church is brand new. Some scholars believe, and I would agree, that the Christian church has never been any better than it is right here. Because <laughs> it, it hadn't been corrupted at all yet. I mean, it, it's just doing wonderful. Jesus had died. Jesus had gone back to heaven. And the Holy Spirit came, and boom! And just almost immediately, the church went from running 120 on Sunday morning to 3,120. And, and man, I mean, it th- th- things were absolutely great. Verse 42, and we're going to look at just a few of these verses tonight. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and of prayers. In verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. One thing that you see here about these new Christians 
who wouldn't have been able to define church like we can. They were doing church. Man, they were doing God together corporately. Now, you know, if you know me and if you've been here in this sermon series, that I am huge on you need a personal prayer time. You need a personal Bible study time. You need to memorize Scripture, meditate on Scripture. And you can't do that with anyone, really, a lot of that, but just with you. But you need a corporate worship time. You need a church to be involved in. Jesus has called people to be disciples. A disciple means a follower. It means a learner. It doesn't just mean a learner. It's not simply an intellectual pursuit. It's a follower. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A disciple is two things if you're taking notes. The first thing it is is a convert. When we give an invitation tonight, we're going to give you an invitation to become a Christian. We could say that's that's our better understanding. We could say we want you to become a disciple of Jesus tonight. That, that's why he said you make disciples. The first thing you do to them is you what? You baptize them. You don't baptize old crusty deacons who've been saved and members of the church for 50 years, do you? Then you'd mess the water up. Of course not. You baptize people who've just been saved. You baptize new converts. So a disciple is first, it's a convert. But then a disciple is something that everybody in this room who's a follower of Jesus is. Did you know that? Some of us may not be good ones, but we all are. We are called to be a learner and a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. Verse 41, uh, this is where they begin being disciples. It says, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't you love to have been a part of that day? Man, how wonderful and tremendous that must have been. Okay, you want to be a mature follower of Christ? Talked about last week. Memorize and meditate on Scripture. Have a prayer time. Be in your Bible. Study it. Learn it. Read it. Uh, you, you need all those things. But, but you've got to be active in a good biblical church. Dr. Michael Dean is pastor Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And I remember him saying, he said, two, two things, two things always undercut a church. Now, there's other things, but two things that do. One is you have lost church members who either don't come or they don't give or they don't serve or they cause trouble. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you don't get what we're trying to do here. This is a club. It's a social organization to you. And the second thing that hurts churches, and certainly we can say bad ministers, and, and I'll agree with that too, but it's immature Christians. That may be an immature pastor or a minister who is a Christian. You've got people who've been, who've been truly saved for 50 years, but you still have to change their diaper spiritually. They, they don't help the church much. In fact, they hinder the church much. Andy, you pastored for 72 years. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's absolutely right. It's, it's essential to... For, for you to grow up in Christ, you get in the right kind of church. I've heard this a number of times, but it stuck out with me when it was some people, my extended family, probably about 15 years ago. We were talking about some of our, our family members that we were concerned about. And, and, and I'm not just passionate about church because I'm a pastor. I'm passionate about church because I'm a Christian. And I believe church is so important. And, and one of the things I pray for my kids and I want is get in church, get in church, get in church. Get in a good biblical church. And... One of my family members said, oh, it doesn't really matter where they go to church as long as they go. Baloney. 
baloney. I don't want them going to some church that doesn't believe the Bible. I don't want them going to some church that's so legalistic and pharisaical that, that if you sneeze on Sunday, you've broken the Sabbath law. <laughs> I want them to get into a church that is built on Jesus Christ and the Bible. That's what you need to be, a church you look for. Now, you go, well, I want to go to the perfect church. Here's the problem. If you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. (laughs) When I became the pastor of this church, I ruined its perfection. Amen, folks? I heard you. Norman, I recognize that voice there. Thank you. That was rhetorical, but Norman didn't do that. You need to find a church that believes the Bible, preaches the Bible, and lifts up the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Now, I want to say this. We are certainly not the only church in Rust. And I told one of my pastor friends today, he called me, and I said, I'm going to preach on this tonight, and I'm going to tell him there's only one place in Ruston you can find that. It's on Trenton Street. And he laughed, and I laughed. Now, I told him I was just kidding. And, of course, I'm just kidding. There are certainly good churches in Ruston that do this. We do this. We may not be perfect, but I want to tell you, you can't, you can't accuse this church of not preaching Jesus and the Word of God. Because, and I'm talking about Sunday school, the sermons, that we, we, we are that. So you find that. You find that. And let me give you some things you need in your church that will help you so much. N- number one, you just need to be consistent. Be consistent in your church attendance. Now, folks, look in verse 42. It says, and they semi-committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. It says they devoted themselves. Literally, that means they endured. And some of you are going, we have to endure a lot around this church. Well, maybe so. Laugh with me. That was supposed to be funny. It, it means they remained. They were steadfast. When it came to them being what we would say at church and worshiping together, man, they were committed to it. Verse 46, listen to how radical these people were. And day by day attending the temple. They worship in the temple now. That didn't, just made sense. These were Jewish people who'd come to Christ. So they're, they're at the temple. They're also meeting in homes. But, man, they were committed to it. Listen, if you are going to be who you need to be in Jesus Christ, church is not optional. Here's one of the weird trends in our country today. There's a thousand weird trends in America today. Here's one is that, that what used to be, you'd say, a committed church member 20 years ago was someone who was here Four out of four Sundays. Now, they're going to miss occasionally. They're sick. They go on vacation. In, in, in America, what we're seeing today, the committed folks come twice a month. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about American surveys and studies. So the average committed person comes about once every five or six weeks. You can't grow up in Jesus Christ without this. You say, well, I don't need the church to grow up. You don't know the Bible if you say that. That's wrong. And, and if you want to be who God's called you to be, being consistent in your church is a key to that. Matthew Henry, does anybody know who that name is? Some of you old preachers are going to know. He, he wrote a commentary set. Patsy, do we have his commentaries in the library? We, surely we do. We probably got them when they were originally published in the 1700s over in the White Building over here. But Matthew Henry wrote a great commentary. He was a great old preacher, 1600s, uh, early 1700s, very spiritual. He said this about church. He said, man, go as much as you can. Expose yourself to the Word of God, the fellowship of people as much as you can. I, I agree with that. It's so vital. Now, what do you do? What are you looking for in church? Number one, you want to be taken in the Word of God. Taken in the Word of God. 
Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? You go, well, I can't find that on Amazon. I've looked for it. You hold this. This is the apostles' teaching. They were teaching, would have been the Old Testament. They were certainly preaching the words of Jesus Christ. The apostles' teaching is the revelation of the New Testament, too. So they're teaching and preaching their Bible. I love this. They were coming, they were coming together. To hear the people God had called and gifted and the church had called to proclaim the word of God to them. Isn't that neat? Not really? I mean, not really? It is neat. That is so awesome. They were coming with an expectancy that God was going to say something to them. Now, I want to tell you something. If you come to your connection group class, your small group class or church, and you're bored, and you're bored before anything starts, and you're not expecting anything to happen, you know what? It's almost guaranteed nothing will. It will amaze you if you begin to pray for your Bible study teacher and pray for your pastors and pray for whoever's teaching and preaching and ask God to speak to you. You know what? I bet you nine out of ten times you're going to leave here touched by something God had to say. You need to come with expectancy. I remember hearing a, 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 it was about two people I knew in Tennessee. One was a pastor. One was a a very intelligent professor. The pastor was a, a very wonderful, loving, spiritual man, but he was not educated. And he was pastoring in a pretty educated town. But he did a great job. He delivered the Word of God. He wasn't what you'd say a scholar, but he was a great pastor and great preacher. And there was a man who went to his church who loved him but looked down on him. It was his professor. It's a true story. This was in the 80s and 90s. And I remember asking one of my friends who was defending that professor, I said, why does he go to a church where he feels he's so much superior and can't get anything from the preaching? You know what he said? He feeds himself. He doesn't need the pastor's preaching. Friend, you need to be pastoring if that's your philosophy. You really do. If you can't be fed, go feed people. <laughs> And, and I try to feed you occasionally around here, but I need to be fed desperately. That's an attitude and a heart problem. You need to come to church expecting God to speak to you. I, I, don't, I, I agree with this partially, but a, a church should be, in, in a sense, a Bible college. We need to be teaching you the Bible teaching you how to live it out, to know it, and to live it out. I love the story that's told of a lady who uh, had been in church for years, but she had never really studied the Bible, never listened much in church. She'd do her nails and read her mail and do write checks and all that. But she really got right with God and began to listen. The pastor was doing a sermon series out of Exodus. And she goes, for the first time in my life, Moses is not, doesn't look like Charlton Heston anymore. Now, you have to remember the old movie, The Ten Commandments, when Moses was Charlton Heston. You know what? You'll be amazed if you come to church expecting God to speak to you. I, I encourage people, bring something to write with, take notes. I know you can take notes on your phone. I know you can be on Facebook on your phone. But come expecting God to speak to you and to say something to you. There's a story told of a young preacher who wasn't doing a very good job in the pulpit. The people loved him. He was nice. He'd visit them. But his sermons were terrible. So they asked him, they said, Son, how much time are you preparing every week? And he said, Well, I prepare on Sunday morning as I walk from my home to the church. Well, he lived in a parsonage that was 50 feet from the church. And Bobby Johnson and I talked about that because Andy and Bobby have lived in a parsonage like that, and so have I, and that's a nightmare, but that's another story. 
So the church's solution was they sold the parsonage and bought him a home 20 miles away from the church and told him, walk to church and prepare. Here's my commitment to you. You pray for me, and I promise you, I will try to find out what God wants me to say to you. I'll study my eyes out for you. I'll pray hard, and I'll try to bring you a word. But, but if we want to be the people God's called us to be, we need to come in this place expecting God to speak to us. You need to be taken in the Word. You need to be taken in the Word. That, no question about that. Here's the second thing about church. Man, you fellowship, you're fellowshipping with other Christians. Verse 42, they were devoted to the teaching and the fellowship. The fellowship means to participate with. They liked getting together. Someone said most Christians are like marbles instead of grapes. God called us to be grapes, not marbles. The only time marbles touch each other is when they're hitting and spreading apart, right? Grapes cluster. Grapes do great when they're together. That's how they grow. That's how they put a fragrance. That's how they're beautiful. Christians were meant to do life together. You cannot grow healthy if all you do is you and God, unless you're in an isolated prison cell Uh, in Iraq, then go get it. That's okay. But you need other people. And, And folks, here's a neat thing. Church ought to be fun. It should be. We ought to deal with the most difficult topics there is, the most delicate thing. Listen, the church can't back away from the hard stuff. You know why? Because the hard stuff's in the Bible, right? We shouldn't, but we always have victory on the other side of the hard stuff. You can preach on hell, but when it's over, you ought to say, God doesn't want you to go there, and you don't have to, right? <laughs> we, we, we ought to enjoy this. Church ought to be fun. About 10 years ago, we baptized someone on a Sunday morning. Josh baptized. It was a youth. The youth, got, the youth was nervous. They got in the baptistry. I think they kind of tripped, and they laughed, and they giggled. You could tell they were very nervous. And I got up afterwards, and I said, hey, you know, that's okay, because it is okay. And I said, church ought to be fun. And there was a person visiting. This is funny. They lived in another state. They'd never been here in my time. And they told me when they wrote me they would never come back. Because I dared to say church should be fun. I don't know what Bible they're reading or planet they're living on, but church ought to be an enjoyable place. Amen? Y'all have been proud of me. I wrote them back. I was very sweet and I was very Christian. I didn't even say, they said, we'll never come back. I didn't say thank you. I didn't say anything like that. But you need and I need the fellowship with other believers. Chuck Swindoll has said this, and it could easily be misunderstood, so I'll quote him. But he said a church ought to be, uh, in many ways, like a bar. Not the getting drunk and all that stuff, but a place where people can come and, and can throw their junk out there, and they can enjoy each other, laugh, and have a good time, and develop relationships. Church, one reason you need this is because of the fellowship. Here's the third thing, and that's it's, you're, you're being a part of when we do the Lord's Supper. Now, this is, I think in some ways, this is a supernatural thing. But it made the Bible, they were devoted to the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Almost all scholars think that's talking about the Lord's Supper. What happens when we do the Lord's Supper together? Well, I I think, again, it's a supernatural thing, too. But we're celebrating the death of Jesus Christ. And I always try to make it personal. Jesus died for you. 
And we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you proclaim my death and resurrection. And it reminds you of the second coming, that, that when we take the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of what Jesus did and what he's going to do and that we win. That's wonderful, isn't it? So that's part of what we do at church. And we need to do it more, and we're going to. But it's, it's the Lord's Supper. Here's the fourth thing. Man, you're learning about and you're involved with prayer. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, it says, and to the prayers, and to, to praying. Boy, I, I believe with all my heart that the church ought to be a place where we pray together as well, well as play together. It ought to be a place where we learn how to pray and we're taught how to pray. And that's certainly something we're committed to here at First Baptist. And, and I would encourage you to be a part of civic organizations as much as you can but the church is the one that is given the task of being a place of prayer. We come to church because we learn about prayer and we pray together. Here's the fifth thing. Man, we worship with other people. We worship with others. Verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, in this passage, it doesn't use the word worship, but we know it's found throughout the Bible. It doesn't use singing in here, but we know singing is found throughout the Bible. Should you worship when it's just you and God? You are. If you're praying, you're surrendering, you're reading your Bible, you're worshiping. I would encourage, you want to sing when you're having your quiet time? Sing, friends, sing. Some of us don't need to sing too loud, though, Amen. Wayne, everybody here is a great singer. Our choir needs to be full at 845 because there's no humility out here apparently on this. Man, worship God when it's you and God, but we need each other for healthy growth. We need to worship together. What we do when we pray and we sing and we stand and we have an invitation, we're worshiping together, and you need that. And no matter what you hear from the new spiritual growth guru, you can't miss this and be right with God. It's a key to your spiritual development. Let me give you a last thought on, on, on what we do in church and how it helps us. We, we start serving God and his church. We start serving Jesus and his church. Verse Verse 44 and verse 45, excuse me, verse 43, it says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. When I preached on this several months ago, this passage, we spent some time talking about the, the awes and the wonders and what a miracle, a wonder that people were in amazement. But... Here's one of the, the heartbeats of that that's easy to miss. These people took care of each other. They served each other. They served Jesus Christ. You cannot serve in isolation, can you? Can you? You can serve yourself, which in our society today, that's probably a wonderful thing. But if I'm going to serve Jesus, at some point, I need to plug into a church. I need to use the gifts he's given me. I need to do what I can to make his name soar and to make his body, his church better. Church is where I learned how to serve Jesus Christ was in church. And, and that's one of the reasons we need church because it helps us. It gives us avenue and it helps us learn how to serve God like we should. A lot of keys to spiritual growth. But this is one you can't do without. 
No question about it. Stephen Covey is probably most famous for his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I think it's in that book where he talks about sitting in on a surgery with a heart surgeon. And the surgeon told him afterwards, the, the man he was operating on was a friend, and he goes, this guy took care of himself real well except in one area. And he told Stephen, he said, you, you cannot take care of yourself physically in one or two areas and then just be real neglectful in another area. I exercise, I diet, and I smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. You know, that wouldn't be good, correct? Would you agree with that? Uh, or I exercise and I don't smoke, but I eat 18,000 calories a day. Well, that's probably not good. And what the doctor said is if you're, you're, you're going to have health problems if you ignore an area of your life. Here's why there's a lot of spiritual health problems. I think today, worse than it was 20, 30 years ago, we've neglected church. I'm not saying you. You're here on a Wednesday night. But I'm saying in our society, that's becoming common. You, 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 you don't need it, but I want to tell you you do. And the last thing I want to say is we've got to take this seriously. You've got to teach your kids this. You've got to teach your grandkids this. When you're praying for someone to grow spiritually, pray they'll fall in love with the Bible. Pray they'll fall in love with prayer. Pray, obviously, they'll fall in love with Jesus. But pray that they'll get in a church where these things will happen. I love, again, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, but this is a church thing here. This is not an individual thing. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, listen to what it says. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Some people are good at stirring up, aren't they? But this is good. Stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the coming of Christ drawing near. I found this passage always interesting that here we're 30 years probably after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and people are already falling out of church. That's what he says. Don't neglect. Don't neglect being together. Oh, you're busy. I get it. You got a lot going on. I understand. Your kids want to play ball every weekend. Get over it. I need to go on vacation 84 times a year. There's only 52 weeks. You can't do that. You need to prioritize worshiping and being together. That's what God says. Listen, if you're going home tonight and a a road sign was flashing and it said bridge out ahead, you'd be crazy if you didn't stop or slow way down, would you? You'd pay attention to that. Or you picked up a bottle tonight and you're fixing to, to pour the contents in your drink and it said poison... You might pour it in your spouse's, but not yours, correct? It's a little marriage humor there. You would, you would pay attention. Why would we not pay attention to this? Why would we not pay attention to what God says here? Sweden is a very interesting country. It's a beautiful country. The, the first person I ever got to lead to Christ was an exchange student from Sweden. So I love Sweden because of him. Sweden, 90, like 95% of the people in Sweden are members of the state church, which is the Lutheran church. 2% of people in Sweden go to church each week. A lot of good things about Sweden. It's got a high suicide rate. Its morals are horrible. Do you not think there's a connection there? Absolutely there's a connection there. We need one another. You need the church I need the church to help me be who God's called me to be. 
No question about it. Brenda is my assistant, and she found a story last week. She said she cut it out from Kenny's, her husband's senior adult magazine. I said, Brenda, was it your senior adult magazine? And she said, it was my husband's senior adult magazine. But here's, here, listen to the statistic. That it, it, was, it was an article about how to live longer. So the older you get, the more you read those, right? And, and it, here's one of the things it said. People who attend worship once a week live on the average of 4 to 14 years longer than those who don't. Is that not great? We ought to put an ad in the paper, live longer, come to FBC. (laughs) It's going to benefit you in every way to make sure church is a key part of your spiritual growth. You're here tonight. You're a Christian. Obviously, you're here on a Wednesday night. I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to re-up in your heart your commitment to Christ and to being in church. Do that. Maybe where we're, you're standing or at the altar or praying with a minister. Do that this evening. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join the church tonight. Pretty good night to do that since we talked about church. A good night to join the church. You can do it afterwards or you can do it now. Here's the last thing. You know what? You can be a member of a hundred churches and die and go to hell. You've got to belong to Jesus first. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, when we stand, I want you to come tonight and let one of our ministers help you come to Christ. Let's stand.